You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner, as always, joined by my friend Ron Cobb Jr. RKJ, how you doing today? RKJ, wow, how did you know? That's my uh, that's my work email, actually, RKJ at blank.org, so I don't want to give away the whole email, I guess. So I mean, we got... Yeah, no, I'm doing good this morning. How about yourself, Matt? I'm good. There's OBJ, there's... Uh... <laughs> there's there's a couple of objs in the league now right so so we'll OBJ. go with rkj and we'll go with your twitter question today as always and we'll try to mix it up a little bit first from c edward clay mendes on twitter i'm not sure this is a question ron or maybe a scouting report c edward says he tossed the ball around made some sick catches he thinks he can play slot in the nfl he also claims he's drank 3200 bud lights the last couple of years i don't know whether that's impressive or sad He's filled out. He's 6'1", 205. Juju Smith-Schuster is the comp. He's got a first-round draft grade from, from Kuiper. I know he's having a little bit of fun with this here, but it just made me think about the comparisons between those of us who have no shot at playing in the NFL and those who actually do. And it made me think through some of these would-you-rather type situations. So if you think about yourself, Ron, on an NFL field, would you rather block Chris Jones or try to cover Tyreek Hill? Oh, man. Well, I, I, the way I thought about this was which one am I not going to go to the hospital for after, after it happens? And I have a feeling if I tried to get in front of Chris Jones, something's, bro- something's breaking, right? Something, something's sending me to the hospital. Covering Tyreek, I guess, you know, maybe the ankles get broken in that case. But uh, at least my, you know, my dignity might get broken in half by trying to cover Tyreek. But at least... At least I'll still be alive. I still won't be all bruised up and, uh, you know, put in the hospital. So I said cover Tyreek. You know, I played a little corner back in my day. So, you know, I could, I could, I could see how. What's your, what's your position? What's your scouting report, Ron? Well, I was a quarterback in high school. So I didn't actually play much defense uh, in my senior year, but I was, I was playing some cornerback. I'm five, nine, too. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not probably doing very well against Jones. And uh, I got the, the height advantage, maybe, uh, you know, it's a little, I'm a little maybe taller than Tyreek, hopefully, maybe, I don't know, he's probably about the same height as me, so <laughs> that's pretty close. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go, with, I'm gonna go with covering Tyreek, I think, I think I could, uh, you know, if, if it's not a deep ball where he's running 50 yards downfield, and there's some sort of shorter route, you know, maybe, maybe I can stick with him, we'll see. So I always like to joke that I've got the size of a big wide receiver, so I'm like 6'3", you know, 225, but I've got the the speed of a slow offensive lineman. So it's, it's a really good combination. Um, so in this situation, I think I would be maybe less of a liability trying to block Chris Jones. I know that's a ridiculous statement, but there's I'd have no chance at running with Tyreek, and it would be embarrassing. And if you think about the way NFL contracts work, if you're completely useless on the field, uh, you get cut right away. 
there's no money for you on the table, right? If I'm trying to block Chris Jones and he injures me badly, then I get to go on IR and collect a check or at least an injury settlement. So I think financially it would do me a little bit better to try to block Chris Jones, even if I end up in the hospital, uh, at least it'll be a little bit less embarrassing and a little bit more profitable for me. Wow. I like the logic, actually. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think, I think, I think you have a good point there. No, I think, I think you made a good point. Cause uh, you know, your, your, your weight will probably hold up a little better than mine. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, being five, nine, I'm, I'm under 200 pounds. So doesn't, uh doesn't exactly hold up as well as a, you know, 225, you know, you got a little more mass on you to, to <laughs> all the Jones was. 300 pounds. I don't know. Either I wouldn't call it good weight either. So that's a, that's a totally different thing. But uh, well, Rod, I, I sacked up a whole bunch of these would you rathers for this week. I want to see how ridiculous some of these are. But uh, I'm going to put you in some tough situations and see if we got some answers for us. Uh, would you rather see Travis Kelsey get traded or Tyron Matthew not re-sign with the team? Yeah, this one's tough. I went with Tyron not getting a new deal because I think Travis Kelsey is way too important to this offense right now. If he was off the team, all of a sudden this receiving core is, is not as impressive as, as we like to make it seem when we have Kelsey and Hill at the top. No matter what you have behind him, it's an impressive receiving core. But if you just have a Hill, man, you know, that, that, that leaves a lot to be desired. I know we have Noah Gray coming in. People are excited about him to, to use that Kelsey role and, and may not be, you know, may not be as step much of a step down in terms of being a receiver, but obviously Kelsey is a Hall of Famer eventually, you know, a, a multiple-time All-Pro. If we, if Matthew doesn't get a deal done, at least we have Juan Thornhill coming in the mix. At least we have some good young DBs, Jarius Sneeds showing up as a slot defender, which we know Matthew has covered at times before. So it would suck to not see Tyron Matthew uh, in Kansas City, you know, any longer, but. At the same time, Kelsey's way too valuable to this team. I gotta go. I gotta go. Kelsey staying. Yeah, I don't care what the return is on that trade. That the Chiefs lose that deal if if Kelsey gets traded, and and you're right, the state of this group of of pass catchers really depends on Kelsey. He's the the probably the most irreplaceable on the player on the team, not named Patrick Mahomes. So I, I don't think I don't think you can replace Kelsey. I don't think you. I don't think any trade return there is going to feel good to Chiefs fans short-term or long-term. It'll be Tony Gonzalez in Atlanta, uh, you know, but worse because he's even he's even more irreplaceable and on a team like this one that's ready to compete, that return is not going to help them win another Super Bowl. So maybe that one's a little easier. Here's maybe a tougher one. I'm going to start this caveat by saying you have to choose one of these two. You can't say neither. None of the above is not an option, all right? You have to do either extend Anthony Hitchens' contract or Ben Neiman's. Which one are you extending? Man, well, while this is tough, I mean, at the same time, I can't in my right mind extend Neiman any further than he can be. So I have to say Hitchens, you know, I with the way you carve it out in your mind, maybe is you're saying, hey, you know, now that we have Gay and Bolton, Maybe they can just be the situational linebackers, the Will and the Sam and and then Dime. They're both on the field or, you know, one of them's on the field. And, and Hitchens is just this Mike that's in the base and the run heavy uh, nickel formations as well. And, hey, he's not bad at those things. You know, he's he's a really smart, intelligent Mike linebacker, which which spags his value. He's expressed his value for it. So, you know, you get Hitchens. He's still a veteran. He's still a guy that commands this defense. 
can still come up and, and fill a hole, maybe not as well as we'd like him to, or maybe not as well as Bolton or, or uh, Gay would be able to. But if you got to choose between these two, you know, keep the veteran on the team, keep the guy that is, you know, a, a value to this team. Neiman, I just, I can't justify making him, uh, having his contract any longer than it is already. I added this question just for you based on your comments last week, I think, on, on Ben Neiman. But part of your point on Neiman was that you thought he was blocking some of the younger players' development a little bit. You can make that same argument for Hitchens. As long yeah. as Hitchens is around, Bolton can't be the mic. And eventually, Bolton needs to be the mic. I mean, you drafted him for that purpose. You drafted him early, you know. And, and so I would almost prefer to keep Neiman around because you know that he's a great special teams player and he's a role player on defense and he's not going to get in the way of Bolton or Gay in their development. You know, I'd still, I'm not sure how you'd line up the, in the base defense, the three starting linebackers, if you didn't have Hitchens, but I think they could figure it out um, if they had to. And, and, but Neiman, I think, uh, I think getting Hitchens out of the way and having Neiman on the team maybe helps the development of some of the younger guys a little bit more than the other way around. But yeah, no, that's fair. Actually, that, that's fair. And and you did you do bring up a good point. Who's the better depth piece? You know, I mean, Hitchens on the bench isn't very valuable, but and you got to think about you know extending him. How much money you know would cost for each of them? So Neiman as a depth piece, maybe it's a cheap extension, and he, he is a guy that you know backing up gay and bolton you know he knows the defense he, he's a guy that's played in it for a while so yeah maybe you're right maybe having someone that that does fit as a depth piece more than a starter you know hitchens as a starter he has to be on the field you're not re-signing him and then and like you said with the special teams prowess too so and the size of the contract uh, too you know you think about the you know neiman's contract is not going to prevent the chiefs from signing other free agents or or, or extending somebody else's contract Hitchens might. I mean, he's, he's got a substantial salary and he's not going to take a yeah. big pay cut. So, yeah, all right. That's it. That's interesting. Let's go back to putting you in the shoes of an NFL player and uh, uh, talking about getting physically dominated. Which would you rather? Would you rather get hit by Bolton at, at full speed or get blocked to the turf by Orlando Brown Jr.? Oh man, to the turf! Oh, I was I, I I was hoping I'd be able to get a get you know maybe just run away after initial <laughs> contact or something just to back up in coverage. Uh, no, I'd have to say get blocked by Brown because man, oh man, I couldn't imagine getting full speed hit by an NFL linebacker. I'm sure that just oh if you're not prepared for it, if you're not, you know, <laughs> give me a year of like intense training and maybe I can take one. But if you're talking right now. Oh man, that would hurt so bad. Getting blocked, you know, at least you kind of can control. Well, no, I, no. Either way, if you're saying he's putting you into the turf, that's going to hurt too. And and that 300 pounds probably laying on you, you know, afterwards, uh, you know, finishing the job. Man, that is tough. But I'm going to get say get blocked by Brown because you know I'll, I'll put a little swim move on him and uh, you know stay up. I, I, <laughs> I'm not putting a juke move on Nick Bolton. Heck no, that is not happening. He's I'm not quick enough for that. He's getting me. Nick Bolton is a guy that likes to hit, and and he and he throws everything he's got into some of those hits from college. You saw him, saw that on tape. So he's getting his money's worth if if he's got some some chump lining up out there 
to take a hit from him. He's not going to take it easy on you. Uh, he's going to get a running start, and uh, and and that's going to be ugly. So I think I'd have to agree. Um, but you're right. Really, the the thing that tips the scales, uh, pun intended, is whether or not Brown lands on you after the block. Like, yeah, <laughs> him pushing you to the turf, fine, whatever. You get back up. Him pancaking you and laying on top of you that that uh, that might be a different story. Yeah, he's a big dude. He is a very <laughs> big dude. So I, I don't know about that, but uh, I, I, th- I think we I think we're smart on that. I think we saved our some some hospital bills uh, doing the other one. So or getting blocked by Brown. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing some of these guys at camp. This offensive line is going to be is going to have a different look to it, uh, starting with Brown and just the the size, you know, of some of these guys. Some Sometimes, you you know, like when you see Eric Fisher, especially without pads on, he's a lean guy. He looks like he's in shape. He's tall, but like there's no gut. He's not, you know, like he's that's a different look. When you see Orlando Brown Jr., you're like that. That is a massive human being. Uh, He just looks he just looks like an old school offensive lineman, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. I've always thought that about Fisher. It's you know, it, it, I've always found it kind of thought he looks small for an uh, NFL offensive lineman. And then you realize he's like six, seven, whatever, you know, 300, whatever. And you're like, oh, he's just really fit for an offensive lineman, fitter than some of the other guys. Yeah. But you're right. Chiefs are trying to get beefier. And some of those beefier guys, I love using that word for some reason, beefy. I, I, I just continue <laughs> to use it. But uh, it ties into our next would you rather that you that you thought up for us. And I think this is a good one, too. Would you rather start three rookies? So center Creed Humphrey, right guard Trey Smith, right tackle Lucas Niang, or three veterans, right, uh, center Austin Blythe, right guard LDT, right tackle Austin, or Mike Remmers. So would you rather have three rookies or three vets? This is a tough one, I think, because I think ideally everyone wants a mix. You know, you don't want all three of one, all three of the other. But if we have to choose between them, Stags, they'll start with you. So this one's... Actually, I think one of the easier ones on the list for me, because I think all else equal, you go with the three rookies. You want your young players to get on the field, have a chance to develop. If they win those jobs over the veterans, you know it's because they're just dominating in practice. Like Andy Reid is not going to hand three offensive line jobs to rookies without them absolutely earning it. And so if that were to happen, I think that's best case scenario. You know, the three veterans listed here, especially Blythe has been completely invisible so far in the offseason program. Um, LDT just coming back, just getting back in the swing of things. Uh, And Mike Remmers, who, you know, is a great all around utility guy. But I would love to see him in that position rather than as a starter. So for me, it's a no brainer. Give me the three rookies all day long and let's let's grow with them uh, in these roles. And again, I think it's just a great sign if they happen to win those jobs. Yeah, I'm with you. I picked three rookies as well. I think about it, and it's kind of the same vein you were talking about, but we just got to understand that. I know as, as fans, we we want to win right now. We want to get another Super Bowl right now, but this really is a long-term thing. We, we are in a long-term – we are just at the beginning of this long-term dynasty, hopefully, that we're building here. And, you know, in five, four or five years, Mahomes is still going to be, you know, at his prime and everything. We need these linemen to, to be ready to be in their primes as well. And I think the quicker, the better they get on the field, the quicker they can, you know, progress into the starters they need to be. So, yeah, if that's the case, I'd rather get my lumps in now with these rookies. I'd rather, hey, if they, if they have some struggles in their first year, 
at least they're getting that experience. So in year two, year three, year four, they're really good starters because they got that experience their rookie year. Three vets, I mean, and, you know, it's one thing if these vets are a little more talented, but, I mean, I know. I, are any of these guys super exciting? I mean, I, you know, Blythe has been a starter in this league. I actually, you know, I'll, I'll plug my top 20 piece on Arrowhead Pride. I actually had LDT as my 18th most important player on two, in 2021, which was the only guy I was kind of iffy on even putting on the list. But the more I think about it, experienced guard, veteran guard, last time we saw him in that Super Bowl run, he was playing really well. I, I, I think we should point that out. I know in the Super Bowl, he didn't have the greatest game, but that Super Bowl run, he was playing pretty well. So I think LDT get, needs a little more respect than, than I've been putting on his name maybe this offseason and some others. But when you're talking about this question as a whole, three rookies or three vets, give the rookies their playing time now, let them get them going. And then so for in the future, they can get uh, to starter level quicker. I can't believe you used the dynasty word. I thought we stopped doing that after that first Super Bowl. When everybody, I think I think I think a lot of people felt like that was a little bit of a jinx coming into last year, talking about the dynasty. Well, I, maybe it's a prediction then, because come on, guys, we'll we'll be winning a few more Super Bowls in the near future, and, and we'll be saying that word again quite a bit. So it's coming. It is Super Bowls are the new normal. You got to expect it, and normally that would mean you go with your veterans because they're like you said, it's a ready-made team. It's a experienced team it's a it's a it's a competitive team right now you don't want to take your lumps or growing pains but they also have two you know all pro pro bowl types on the left side of the line uh, so it's not like their entire offensive line is going to be uh, is going to be questionable and again i think i think it, the statement that it would make for those three guys those three young guys to start is that they're already better than Blythe, L.E.T., Remmers, Wiley, Allegretti, a whole bunch of other guys, right? They've won a competition over a bunch of, of players. And, again, I think that's a that's a great sign, short-term and long-term. Yeah, I, I you'd hope that – and ideally, like I kind of said at the beginning, you know, you, you kind of want to mix. You don't want maybe all three of those positions being rookies because they are one, two, three right next to each other. You're not kind of mixed in between veterans or anything. Humphrey gets the benefit of having Tooney to his left. But at the same time, you know, that that one side being Brown and Tooney, you know, that already gives you such a solid foundation. Having that side, knowing that set, that side is going to be set, you know, it does g- give you a little more wiggle room to, to put rookies out there on the right side. Well, maybe a more fun would you rather hear. Would you rather see Clyde Edwards-Alaire get 2,000 total yards or would you rather see Patrick Mahomes throw for 6,000? Oh, man, this is easy for me. I mean, I know it'd be cool to see Clyde go off like that, but let's just get let's just get this GOAT conversation going even stronger. Let's just have Mahomes just blow out all the records. Let's let I, I love I just you know, I never get tired of all the Mahomes love, uh, you know, from the natural media. And I'm sure everyone else does, you know, if you're not a Chiefs fan. But I never get tired of people fawning and drooling over how good Mahomes is and it would be it would be uh, incredible, you know, the, the amount of reception he'd get if he threw for six thousand yards. I know we have an extra game this year, but you know that, that'd still be a record. You know, I, I don't math is is something that I can't do right now. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but I don't know how much that is per game. I should say, but that would be a lot. And if especially if there might be a, a, a rest game in there, so if he does get for six thousand, it would just be incredible and insane. You know, he'd have a lot of touchdowns. I'm sure too. I'd love all the fanfare that came with that. So I'm, I'm definitely for 6,000 yards. 
So 6,000 yards in a 17-game season is 353 yards per game, basically. Um, so not that out of reach for Mahomes. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, it's it's a lot. Yeah. But that also assumes there's no buy or there's no – sorry, there's no rest, like you yeah. said, in, in week 18 this year. It's going to be weird to say. Right. Yeah, no, but I, I do think – 350 a game when you think about you know there's gonna be some games I'm sure where he goes over 400 and there's gonna be games where I don't think he's hit 500 but he's gotten close and you know depending on the game if if, if the problem is you know unlike 2018 the defense is actually pretty good this year so it, you know you don't want to you don't want to exactly the defense isn't gonna give up these 30 40 point games where the offense has to go off so that's the one problem that's probably gonna prevent him from doing it yeah, and just for the record, 6,000 over 16 games is 375 per game. So it's a lot. Um, I think I'm going to choose Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here, not surprisingly to those of you who have listened to us in the past. But the reason, I think, is because of what it says about the offense. What does it say about this offense if Mahomes is thrown for 6,000 yards? It says that they're either blowing everybody out every week and keeping their foot on the gas, which the second half of that is less likely than the first half. Um, or they're playing from behind, they're in shootouts every week, and they're they're having to pass for a lot of yards. I'm going to lean towards a balanced offense because I think having Clyde Everett to there as a 2,000-yard you know, combined yard, so it doesn't have to be rushing, obviously, but, but combined rushing and receiving, to me says this offense is more balanced. It says that they got out to a lead, and Edwards Hilaire helped helped close it out. It says that that they didn't lean a hundred percent on Mahomes the entire year to carry them. Um, so, I think this team would win more games with Clyde going over two thousand yards than they would with Mahomes throwing for six thousand. Is that a ridiculous statement? No, no, and I actually think it's more likely that Clyde gets 2,000 total yards because of what you said. I think the offense will be more balanced. I think the offensive line will help the team be able to run more effectively, especially if they are up later in games. They're going to really turn stuff out. You know, last year, that I think that was one problem is, you know, even when they're up in games, they weren't able to just consistently run the ball for effectively. You know, they still kind of had to throw because the offensive line just wasn't holding up as well. I think this year that won't be a problem. Uh, these guys are, are guys that are going to wear a defensive line out and, and really, at the end of the game, really pounding. And Clyde's a guy that's going to really finish it off too. So, yeah, but, I, I'd say I'd I'd say you're you're. I would rather maybe, if I'm the team, I'd rather see Clyde get 2,000 total yards because of what you said. But as a fan, it, it'd just be crazy if Mahomes got six out. It would just be hilarious to see you know the the fanfare and and everyone getting mad about how good he is yeah the the fireworks that would come from a 6,000 yard season with Mahomes would be fun to watch that that's there's a no doubter there and I agree with the legacy and the kind of shutting up the the you know ending the conversation about who the best quarterback in the league is Um, I would definitely like to see Mahomes have another big year to shut you know to shut up any critics or to to end that conversation because it is fun to see him winning MVPs and and to see him on the list and see him secure his hall of fame ballot, you know, in his fourth season in the NFL, which is absurd to say. And I will say one of my favorite games over the last few years was that 2018 Rams game. I mean, that was, 
that was one of the most fun games I've ever seen. It was just outlandish the way that they were lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, so, yeah, may, maybe Mahomes throwing for 6,000 would be a, a pretty fun fan season. Um, you just have to wonder what that means for, for the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I'm with you. That wow is still one of my favorite games. Uh, I, I still remember watching it with my dad and everything, just going crazy. Yeah, so hopefully we don't have a game like that. Um, I don't want our defense giving up 51 points to anybody, but uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, you never know. Next, would you rather, though? It, it kind of ties to that same we're talking about the starters resting in a game. So would you rather have the starters or would you rather the team go 17 and 0 with starters playing week 18? So, you know, you're 16 or no, you want to go for that undefeated record. So you have the starters play week 18. Or would you rather sacrifice that undefeated record and have the starters rest in that last game, you know, giving yourself maybe a loss? Uh, you know, obviously the, the backups could win depending on the situation, but you're probably going to lose that game. Matt, what do you think? Would you rather go for the undefeated season or not? Yeah, I mean, talk about first world problems here as an NFL fan is, <laughs> is what, you know, sitting undefeated going into the final game of the season and having to, to decide, do we go for the perfect season or do we, you know, rest our starters because you know you've got the first um, seed and so you've got a bye week coming up as well. I think in this scenario, it's all about the playoffs on one hand. It's all about the playoffs for this team. <clears throat> They're like an NBA team at this point. Get ready for the playoffs, make their run, right? The regular season shouldn't matter that much. But on the other hand, <laughs> being the, the first undefeated team since, you know, the, the Dolphins um, in a 17-game season would be absolutely ridiculous. And so going for that would be awful tempting. I, I don't know. I don't know where I land on this one. So as a fan, man, you know, I always kind of, especially like a, you know, if you're like a college basketball fan or something, you know that. You don't really want your team to just go undefeated through non-conference play. You don't want your team to just never have a loss. And 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 I relate this to the NFL as well. I don't. I think it's beneficial to have a loss sometime in the schedule because it kind of resets things. It kind of you know wakes people up a little bit. I don't think this team really needs that. I think this the Super Bowl loss last year actually might be embarrassing enough to to roll over into this year to where that's the loss that they kind of woke up from and they don't need another one maybe. But like the Raiders game last year that they lost, I, I do think that helps them kind of reset, refocus, be like, all right, like we're not impossible to beat. Like we we are, you know, we do have some vulnerabilities that we need to, you know, focus in on and and overcome a little more. So I think a loss isn't a bad thing, although I guess in this situation, the loss in the last week of the season isn't really helping you in that case because you're resting the starters. So. That's tough. That is tough. I think I'd rather get if I had to choose between, though, I think I'd rather get the history, go for the history books, go for all the records. And that's kind of what I was saying with the Mahomes 6000 yards. You might as well just get the undefeated thing, you know, just try to play it off. Just try to in the media say, hey, you know, we, we're not worried about this, you know, help jinxing anything in the playoffs. We're not worried about that. We're just going to we just want to win as many games as possible, that kind of thing. Just go for the record. Might as well. I mean, 17 and 0 sounds crazy. And then and then you really are. And hey, Mahomes is talking about 20 and 0. Maybe it is something that if they're at that stage, they really do start being passionate about it. Like, hey, let it let's go for 20 and 0. Why not? So I'm thinking I'd rather, I think I'm gonna lean towards going undefeated. Let's let's put those starters in week 18. I think they played Denver week 18, if I'm not mistaken. Now, Denver, you know, they're 
they're all right. Um, I, I doubt they're in playoff contention at that point. Might as well uh, bury them. Yeah. Yeah, but man, their defense is tough, so I'd hate for something to happen. Man, that's that's <laughs> tough. This is a tough question, but I'll I'll just go ahead and say undefeated. Let's go undefeated. All right. Well, I don't know where these guys ranked in in terms of your rankings of the Chiefs players, but would you rather see a down year from Harrison Butker or a down year from Charvarius Ward? This is tough. I think this is a really good question on your part because, you know, kicker to cornerback, it's like, oh, what? There's not much of a comparison there, but there is because you really want your kicker to be reliable, especially as a contending team. A lot of times these games come down to a field goal or, you know, whether you make a good field goal or not. And man, I would hate for Bucker to have a, you know, a down year. We stick with him and he costs us something. So I would honestly rather see the down year from Charvarius Ward because I do think. I, I don't have high expectations for Ward. I don't think he's he's the number one corner on the team in terms of experience and 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 his age and and how long he's been in the system. But he's not any he's not that much better than who they have as a second, third, fourth cornerback. Honestly, like talent wise, he just kind of knows the system more than them, and he's played longer than them. Obviously, like a Mike Hughes or a DeAndre Baker, they they've played, but just maybe not as much as Ward has in the NFL. So if Ward has a down year, I just think they might be able to get that production that he could have had, that good production, out of the guys behind him. If Bucker has a down year, then you're thinking about cutting him and then bringing in a guy in the middle of the season. And, then you know, I mean, that's a huge mess for a contending team. Those kickers really need to be reliable. I think I'd rather see Bucker be reliable and have Ward have a down year than vice versa. Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought this might be tough just because Charverius Ward is – is the one experienced guy who's been in the system. You know, if I maybe if I had said Legarius Sneed instead, this would have been a little bit tougher. <clears throat> but but without Ward, you've got all you know first second year players and complete unknowns. Like you you really got a young room back there. Ward to me brings a little bit of stability to this group, even if he's not the top end of it. But but you're right though for a Super Bowl competitive team you can't have a kicker missing kicks, man. And, and he, even the extra points that he missed last year were, were concerning, but he hit the game winners and the, the game tying field goals when they needed him. If he starts missing those and they're losing games strictly because of that, then, you know, that's, that's pretty catastrophic. So uh, one, one final, would you rather here before we take a break, would you rather have this team be the number one offense in the league or be a top 10 defense. So this this assumes that you're number one in offense and you've got a terrible defense or your top 10 defense, but your offense takes a step back. Well, I definitely got to say top 10 defense because I think even if the offense steps back, as long as we're assuming that Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, you know, statistically, I don't really care where they end up. I just know, you know, they're going to have a chance to win all these games, especially if they do have a top 10 defense. Yeah, I'd way rather have a top 10 defense. I think we've seen the offense be number one without a good defense. And, hey, it didn't work out. We didn't even get to the Super Bowl. So I think you the top 10 defense is really important, and it gives Mahomes, you know, a little more leeway to to not be as great and just to, you know, manage the game. And he is a good manager at that, at that point as well. Yeah, this year might be a lot about balance and, and balance between running and passing, balance between offense and defense, being a complete team. You know, I think it's probably better than than being the 2018 Chiefs again. With that, let's take a quick break. On the Out of Structure podcast, we'll be right back with you with more of your Twitter questions. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We're, we're digging into your Twitter questions, and there's a bunch of wide receiver questions. I'm going to try to just put them all together here. I know this is a position everybody wants to talk about. We're still not sure how the depth chart is going to play out at wide receiver. We've seen some conflicting reports out there, and a lot of speculation. So Clyde World, Mahomes to CEH, asks about Jody Fortson. Is this the year he gets called up? We had uh, Rob at Jake Smith Bob. Can Cornell Powell step in and be the wide receiver three? Um, Aaron Walker, Aaron W502 says, what are the chances they trade for Nikita Harry? So let's talk a little bit about the wide receiver room and how we think it's going to play out. And would Harry be a good addition to that room? Uh, Ron, go ahead and kick that off. Well, I can start off with Harry because I think that is, that is an interesting storyline all of a sudden. Um, yeah, New England just buried him on his depth on their depth chart, even though he was a first round pick just a couple of years ago. I actually was a fan of Nikhil Harry coming out. I didn't think he was a first round pick. I think that was a mistake on the Patriots part. And maybe that's that plays into this that he's, you know, if he was a later round pick, maybe this isn't as big a deal. Maybe he doesn't want to get traded. But I'm now he sees himself as a first round pick. He wants to play like a first round pick. That is one thing. I don't think he'd be coming in here and all of a sudden be over Robinson, Pringle, you know, all those guys. I don't think that's how it works. I think he'd just be thrown into the mix, even with a guy like Powell. I, I, I think he's just an op- it's an open competition at that point. So I don't think bringing in Harry is like a it, – it answers a question right away or answers a starter question right away. I think it's just another piece to, to bring in the receiving core, which I don't mind doing at all. I, I really don't mind bringing in another guy to, to co- compete with those guys no one deserves the position right now. I think it's 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 very up for grabs. And so, if you have more co- competition for it, let's do it. Um, Powell Powell stepping in over Robinson though. I don't I don't know. I don't. I, I think we are placing a little too high expectations on Powell. Um, we're starting to at least. 
I think he's even if it was a second or a third round pick, I wouldn't be super com- well. Maybe if it's a second round pick, but it's just so hard. I think for a rookie receiver to come into the Chiefs' offense, and this is points to Harry too, comes into the Chiefs' offense without knowing it and just pick it up right away, better than guys that have been here for a couple of years. Because I think that's a lot of it. That's, and Andy's talked about it before. A lot of what he wants in a receiver is just knowing it, and he and he understands that it takes a long time to to get all this down. So. I think we got to give the benefit of that to the veterans that have been on this team. So that's why Powell and Harry, I just, I wouldn't be too confident that if, if Harry was on the team, that those guys would be able to beat out Robinson or Pringle. Yeah. I, I do think from some reports that we've seen coming out that McCole Hardman really does have a chance to, to have a bigger role that he seems to be in the right place physically and mentally, you know, to, to have a bigger impact this year. I'm not saying he's going to be the, possession guy or he's going to be the X he's going to go up and and make a lot of contested catches but they're going to continue to find ways to get him the ball and he's likely going to be the most productive receiver uh, wide receiver after Tyreek Hill and then from there on out it, it really is an open competition Powell Robinson Pringle Callaway um, you know Marcus Kemp Fountain, you know, Shepard, like there's, there's so many names at wide receiver, you know, bringing another guy, Nikhil Harry in to compete. Sure. Why not? If the compensation's low, I think that's the type of trade you do for a seventh rounder, you know, or one of those uh, swaps, you know, six for seventh to where they're not really giving much up. Then why not? His contract's not big. You know, I, I think there's some red flags on that player probably, given the fact that he was given every chance to be featured there in New England and couldn't rise above a, a pretty weak wide receiver core. I think he's got some separation issues with uh, with the way he plays the game. And so if you get a receiver that's not able to get open, then I'm not sure this is going to be a really successful place for him to be either. So again, take a flyer on somebody, add them to the competition, great. But you're right, it doesn't really change the depth chart you it's it's Hill, McColl, and then a whole bunch of other guys competing for for spots. Um, Jody Fortson is is a fun player. I don't know exactly how he fits in, um, so I I don't see necessarily. I don't have him on my fifty three man roster projection at this point. You know he feels like a practice squad player still. You know I think he's a fun player to watch. He's certainly somebody to watch in St. Joe if you get the chance to go to camp. I, I'm not sure that that he's ready to crack the lineup either. Yeah, and and I should have mentioned Fortson because I, I do think it seems like he might have transitioned to tight end over the offseason. I remember Noah Gray in his press conferences was kind of talking about how Fortson has helped him uh, develop as a tight end in, in those rookie or those uh, rookie camps, or the, the camps before the veterans got there at least. Um, so maybe that was just because they didn't have another tight end and they needed him to fill in, but it sure seemed like maybe they were trying to work him out at tight end just because they know he's not going to make it as a receiver. And I don't think he's going to make it as a tight end either. So, yeah, I think that's that's one of those guys that, you know, you see a big dude going up and getting a ball and, and you're like, oh, there's got to be a role for him on the team somewhere, right? And the Chiefs don't really operate like that. They don't have big possession guys. You know, they, they want guys that can separate. And like you mentioned, and that's another thing with Harry, like you said, he doesn't separate. And that might be a reason why he's not even – considered for the Chiefs I did see betting lines and I don't think he they were part of the I didn't see them in the mix for the odds to get traded to or whatever so yeah I I think Harry might might not fit what the Chiefs want anyway 
Ron, I'm going to jump to the next question from HedgeYT on Twitter. Besides offensive line, what was the Chiefs' biggest improvement from a position standpoint this offseason? It's got to be defensive line, right? Just based on Jaron Reed. I mean, Jaron Reed completes this defensive line rotation by being a guy that can play all three downs. I think that's one thing, and I pointed that out in my top 20, as one thing that's really valuable about Reed is you can trust him in early downs to be a run defender, but also trust him to be a very effective pass rusher on third downs. And they don't really – they have a lot of situations with guys that are one or the other. They're either good run defenders or good pass rushers, but not both. And, you know, Frank Clark is is one guy that, that's that's kind of both, but even he isn't as effective as a pass rusher. And and Chris Jones is, is one that even in his run defense sometimes he can kind of get too high and get washed out of the hole. So – I think Reed is is a very valuable piece and, and someone that gives them a lot more wiggle room with their their depth on their defensive line. You know, guys like Nadi and Tershawn Wharton aren't relied upon as much, and they're just good rotational players now instead of being, you know, uh, a, a very relied upon as starters. So I think it's got to be defensive line. Do you have another one? Well, you, just a follow-up question to that. You're thinking about defensive line. Sounds like you're talking a lot about the interior defensive line because – They've lost some pieces on the outside without a real obvious replacement. So, you know, there's some shuffling around. Obviously, Jones moving inside to outside, you know, maybe that offsets some of it. But there's still some question marks on that defensive line, especially with the the depth at the edge position. Uh, Are you sure it's that much improved over last year? Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good point. I do think the return of Taco Charlton definitely helps in that respect. Um, you know, I think last year they were missing a guy they could throw in and get some edge pr- pressure. I know Alex Okafor kind of helped them in that sense, but you know, he wasn't as effective. He wasn't, you know, he's he's a veteran kind of older guy that that had some some glances of of good play. You know, especially in the Super Bowl run, he was he was very good in the Super Bowl run. I think last year kind of took a step back a little bit. I think Taco returning to the fold helps uh, for sure. But I also think another, a second-year Mike Dana. I think Dana is just a, a reliable edge defender that that gives you a lot. He's a high-motor guy, high-effort guy. He's going to play really hard when he's in there. And he's a good run defender. I know he's a smaller guy, more of a stout guy than a, than a lengthy guy. But I've seen good stuff from the run defense from him. So I, I do think uh, Taco Charlton and, and the second year of Dana helps. And then just the addition of Reed, allowing Jones to play more outside, that helps as well. I, I just think overall – that read signing really boosts the ceiling that this defensive line can play at in 2021. That's fair. And I'm, I'm not sure I can disagree with that. I was thinking of uh, some other positions on offense that may be improved because the offensive line has improved. That might be cheating a little bit because the personnel elsewhere hasn't necessarily improved that much, but the offensive line is going to make them look better. Uh, maybe you can say tight end. Uh, just because they have not had anything at the number two tight end spot. I think bringing Blake Bell back and then drafting um, Noah Gray makes that a more interesting room and a potentially better room. But, you know, there's there's a lot of unknowns still. Hopefully they'll hash a lot of that out as they get to St. Joe and we'll see some, some remarkable improvements in other areas. Uh, let's move on to this question. What I think is interesting from Tex-Mex guy at Tex-Mex guy on Twitter over under 22 sacks allowed. Speaking of the improved offensive line, Ron, 22 sacks, is that, uh, is that a good over under? It is, actually. I, I like I, he must have done a little research because if you look at the sacks that they've given up in the Mahomes era, so last year they gave up 24 total sacks. 2019, they gave up 25 total sacks. 
And in the first year of Mahomes, he took out, they gave up 26. So it is in that range. And then when you compare it to the Alex Smith era, just for, just for kicks, 2017, they gave up 37 sacks. Wow. So Mahomes, this one one thing about this is Mahomes is, does a really good job of avoiding sacks. You know, whether it's scrambling out of the way or getting rid of the ball before he does get hit, or just getting the ball out of his hands quicker than a guy like Alex Smith, who sometimes, if it wasn't there, he'd kind of just, you know, crunch up, you know, crab up, roll up, and 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 get sacks. So, I think it's a good number because if we are talking about the offensive line improving, you got to imagine they get a better number than the 24 sacks last year along with Mahomes being a better, you know, another year of experience, another year of understanding how to get out of sacks and all that kind of thing. So I think it's, I think it's a good number. I'll go under. I, I, I really am. I also think the, uh, the ability to run more and run better more effectively this year will help with this number as well. So I'm going to go under. Yeah. Again, maybe it's a cop out, but I'll go with the uh, push at 22. I think. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> cause I definitely improved on the offensive line. Definitely you know, have the ability of Mahomes to escape some sacks. You're going to have some growing pains here and there. They're still going to be throwing the ball a fair amount. So I don't know how low you can get that number. Any idea where 22 sacks would have ranked last year in the NFL? Um, it would have been it would have been one of the highest or lowest. I mean, yeah, one of the lowest totals. Yeah, so I, I think there's they were, a, they were fifth in the league with the 24 sacks. So, OK, so, yeah, 22 is a good low number. Uh, I think it's a good target to be a little bit improved over last year, but still uh, realistic enough that that I think it works. Yeah, no, and I, and I like I said, I think it's just a good number research wise. I think he did a good job uh, picking that out. So but we'll 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 go on to Chief Smash forever. Our guy, Chief Smash 85. He's, he's definitely our guy. I, I like this question. What quarterback did you most build yourself up on when they came to the team? I remember discussing at length how Matt Castle had been trained to improve one great season, but loved the Kenny Powers commercial. P.S. No Mahomes on this one, gentlemen. So Chiefs match saying we can't pick Mahomes for this question. Stags, as an as an older gentleman, as a more as a veteran in this Chiefs fandom, was there a guy from back in the day that you really, really were were buying into as a as a guy that could be the next guy for the Chiefs? Man, thanks for calling out the age there. I appreciate it. We did go through years and years of trying to talk ourselves into quarterbacks. And and it happened every season, it, it seems like. And it was never realistic looking back. But, you know, Brody Croyle was drafted. And you're like, this guy's got a cannon. He's going he's gonna to be great. Uh, Elvis Gerback came in. You're like, all right, this is the next, the next uh, you know, successful quarterback. You've got obviously Joe Montana, when he came in, you're like, Oh, this guy's going to play like he's 22 again. You know, <clears throat> every year it was somebody different. Chiefs fans trying to talk ourselves into, into quarterbacks that just for one reason or another, just weren't quite there. I remember doing the same thing with Dave Craig saying, Dave Craig is good enough to lead this team deep into the playoffs based on his ability and, and what we saw in Seattle. So, so yeah, it was year in year out. There's so many options for this. I'm not really sure who to pick. Definitely Matt Castle would have been on that list. I think we talked about how, you know, when, when that trade happened, everybody thought, you know, he just had a big season. Maybe it's fool's gold, but, you know, they got a steal with this trade because they threw in Mike Rabel for the second round pick. <clears throat> and all of a sudden they got a steal and this guy is going to, going to lead them to the, the promised land. Every one of those quarterbacks, had things about them that you could like and you can talk yourself into it. 
but every one of them needed everything around them to be so perfect. Uh, and even then it wasn't going to play out. So uh, I'm not sure how to narrow it down to just one because this is the entire Chiefs fan experience up until Mahomes was trying to talk ourselves into quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Brody Croyle was the first one I thought of too because that was when I first started really getting into the Chiefs and you see his arm and you're like, oh, he's he's got to be a good quarterback. But uh, another guy that was early in my Chiefs fandom, I think it was just because I was so young, I, I really bought in to Tyler Thigpen, the GOAT, Tyler <laughs> Thigpen, my favorite you were gonna player. Say my favorite player before the Andy Reid era, I got to say, I think. I think that that's I think that's uh, right for me. But, yeah, I, I, I think watching him in that spread, you know, it's kind of a modern offense that we hadn't really seen a lot before. We were kind of used to Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, just running, you know, running hard, running a lot of power counters, uh, counter plays and, and just running the ball, uh, the heck out of the ball. We had Tyler Thigpen, we kind of go spread, and, and there was a few games where it was like, oh, okay, we can do something with it, with this, you know, at, at the athleticism, the, you know, we still had Tony G at that time, so he was, you know, Tony G was kind of a, a the safety blanket for him. Yeah, but uh, it was pretty obvious to see why he wasn't ever going to be a, a legitimate quarterback, just more of a, you know, he was a fun quarterback on a 2-14-2008 and 14, 2008 team. So uh, I, I think it was just young me buying in. I don't think it was it was true buying. Yeah, I think that was quite a reach for us to try to talk ourselves into Thick Ben. As fun as he was to watch, he never really felt like a full-time, you know, permanent quarterback solution. Yeah. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening to today's Arrowhead Pride not Podcast Network, the Out of Structure Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Five-star reviews, five-star ratings anywhere you can. We'll be back next week for more Twitter answers to your questions. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening in. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.